Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team welcome to the padres on deck podcast we're taking a look at all of the padres minor league affiliates with bill center of padres.com along with david J and john conniff of mad friars this week we're taking a look at the top prospects both in and out of top 30 lists the three prospects that were recently added to the tin caps all-star team our players of the month for may and much more in this edition of the padres on deck podcast Welcome, Padres fans, to the second edition of Padres on Deck, uh, the Padres on Deck podcast. And uh, this is where we're going to discuss the Padres minor league system, the players of the future. And uh, I am Bill Center, and I am joined today by David Jay and John Conniff of Mad Friars. You can find them on madfriars.com and on Twitter at madfriars. And, uh, Speaking for myself, you can find my uh, information daily on Padres.com slash FriarWire. And if you want to tweet me, I'm at, or follow me, I'm at, at Padres Central. Uh, guys, David, welcome back. John, good to talk to you for the first time. Hey, thanks for having me. It's always fun to be on there with you, Bill. We're going to jump right in today, and uh, one of the first subjects I want to discuss is the we're a third of the way through the season. Actually, we're closing in on, on the midpoint of the uh, full season uh, teams, their, their, their regular season schedule. And I want to go over the biggest surprises, get an idea from each of you. Uh, what are the biggest players surprised? And we're going to start right now with players on the top 30 prospect list that MLB.com sends out. And uh, John, since you're joining us for the first time i'm going to open it with you what's your big what, who's your biggest surprise out there right now i think it has to be fernando tatis i mean he was in our our top 20 where we ranked him and uh you know we thought he'd be good we didn't think he'd be this good you know we talked about earlier uh you know how much he's grown from when he was signed with the white Sox at six feet 150 now he's six three 200 pounds you know he's hitting with power he has a uh, one of the longest home runs in parky field this year where he hit it off this, I think he hit off the, the, the facade of the center field uh, wall, straight drop. He's fielding better. You know, he, he can make all the plays. He's a very strong arm. Yeah, he's a guy I like a lot. He's made that, uh, he's made the uh, sports center uh, uh, plays of the week twice here in the last 10 days, which uh, tells you a lot about him. But uh, 
sticking with you for a second, John. Do you think what do you see in his future? Shortstop, or do you think that uh, the way he's growing, he might have to be moved? You know, I think David answered that pretty well because on Twitter recently, because one fan asked asked us the same question that you did, and and I think David pointed out like with a uh, you know uh, Seager of the Dodgers and Correa with the Astros, they, they probably will be shortstops at the beginning of their careers, and they could probably see him moving over to third. I think by the time he gets up to the Padres, you're probably looking at a guy at six foot three, two fifteen. But you know, Bill, as you mentioned from the Sports Center highlights, you can see that he, he's an athlete. I mean, when he's six three, two hundred pounds, he might be about three percent body fat. I mean, this is a really lean, strong guy, too. He is an athlete, David. We're going to turn to you. It's your turn. Uh, give me your one of your top thirty prospects that uh, you think is a biggest surprise so far. Well, I'll I'll stick in Fort Wayne, but I'm going to say Jorge Ona. Uh, you know, he's a guy who, having missed 18 months of competitive baseball between when he defected from Cuba and uh, when we saw him last fall in Instructs, he definitely was looking rusty, and I was not sure what we'd see from him this year. I've been really impressed at how easily he came out at the start of the year, and certainly when we saw him in Peoria this spring, he was grooved and and looked really comfortable out there and from day one of the season out in the midwest league he's been making good contact he's been taking good at bats he's had a really nice on base percentage he's hitting the ball hard to all fields and really is a guy who who shows everything that you look for as a profile guy at the corner at the big league level and so I don't think it's necessarily a surprise that he has this talent, but that he has showed it this well this quickly has been a definite plus to me. My turn, and I'm going to cheat. I'm I'm going with somebody who's already on the Padres roster, uh, who started the season uh, in El Paso, uh, Franchi Cordero, who I I am, every time I see the guy, I'm more impressed. Uh, You talk about the physical makeup of a player, great, great athletic body. He can fly. I love his swing. Uh, to me, uh, this is a breakout season. Uh, he's playing very good center field. Young man who started in the minor leagues as a shortstop, uh, was moved to the outfield because, let's face it, he really wasn't a shortstop. But he has mm-hmm. made, in my mind, amazing strides. He has a very go. similar build to uh, Tatis. I'm sorry to interject, but those guys are both the same type of athletes when you see them both uh, side by side. Actually, when we saw Cordero in Fort Wayne, he you know he hadn't put on the weight he has now, which is as you've you've seen him, Bill. It's all very good weight too. It's it's great weight, and that's a great call. You know, uh, physicality they do. A Cordero sorry, and now. Tatis, okay. they have very similar bodies. Yeah. I'm going to change. Yeah. I'm going to throw a little different here on knuckleball, and let's go okay. to your picks of guys outside the top 30. And I know you guys have your own ranking, so we'll let you go outside of, outside of the MLB.com 30. David, I'm going to ask you first. Uh, give me your pick of somebody outside the top 30 who is surprising you right now. Well, I'll, uh, having perhaps been the loudest and most vocal of those of us who don't see Jose Rondon as a future big league shortstop, uh, I will acknowledge that what he's done so far this year, especially since he came off the disabled list, has been uh, 
quite a surprise for me. He's on a run here of late. He's got, I think, a seven or eight game hitting streak going now. Uh, multiple hits every night out at this point and, and has put his average up north of 300. Don't know that I believe it long term as a as a guy who's really going to be a starter at the big league level, uh, either with the offensive profile or to play shortstop. But two months into the year, uh, I'm, I'm impressed with what he's done in his return trip out here to San uh, to to San Antonio. You know, he had sort of fallen off the Padres' radar over the last three weeks. He's raised his average from two from the two sixties. He's like you said, now he's hitting 304, and I gotta imagine he's back on their radar. Particularly, the shortstop position is still un- unsettled up here at the major league level. It'll be very interesting to see if he continues if he gets another shot up here. Uh, okay, uh, John, we're gonna turn to you. Your pick. Yeah, you know, I'd have to go with Michael Kelly. I mean, uh, Michael Kelly was a first round pick in 2011. Has great size for a pitcher. He's about 6'5", 225. And when I was at San Antonio last year, remember, I was talking to one of the bullpen catchers, uh, this high school kid that they always bring out to, as an extra guy to catch all these guys. And he said, of all the guys there, Kelly has the best stuff. And I've heard of that a couple times. It's just a question of him becoming more consistent. But, you know, he has a, a 2.84 ERA. Um, he, he's pitched very well in all 12 of his starts. Very nice kid. He's got a good changeup. You know, his breaking stuff's working well. But with Michael, it's going to begin and end with how consistent his fastball command is. Because when it's on, I mean, he can throw in the mid-90s. He's a very impressive guy. I'm going to ask you both. Do you think? Do you see Michael Kelly, if they need to go to the minor leagues again, with the fact that uh, Walker Laquette is on the uh, disabled list uh, right now at El Paso, if they needed to go to the minor leagues for another starter, do you think Michael Kelly – uh, would be the uh, next guy up. We'll start with you, John. I might hold off on him a little bit. I mean, I think they might go with uh, with a, grab someone from El Paso, like a like you know Zach Lee. Right now, they might want. I think they see Kelly as someone more in the second half. But usually, when they call or promote someone up, they're looking for something specific about. You know, like with Cal Quantrill, when they move him up to San Antonio, they're probably going to look about how effective he is with his breaking pitch. So he could be. I mean, I'm not sure I'd put myself out. I might want to hold off just about maybe another month. David? I think I think John's right on with, with that one. Uh, if Kelly was already on the 40-man roster, that might be a consideration. But I'd be pretty surprised at this point, especially since you've got a couple of guys who've already been shifted to the 60-day DL who seem to be on track to be coming back at some point. You're already going to have a little bit of a 40-man issue. So I'd be surprised if he's the next man up. I think, uh, like John mentioned, you've got Zach Lee down there. You've got a couple of other guys who are on the 40-man roster who it might make more sense if, if what you need is one or two starts. Uh, so, But it, that's not to knock what, what Michael's done so far this year. I think he's been really impressive from the go here. Right. Two point, I, you are absolutely right about the 40-man. It's going to be very interesting here in a very short time I mean, because you're going to have Dickerson at some time, Jankowski, uh, Christian Friedrich, uh, the fourth of the, the – 60-day disabled list is packed. If they make a couple moves here to bring these guys back, it'll be very interesting to see what counter moves they make to open spots in the 40-man roster. 
Okay, my pick for the uh, for the player not on the thirty man who is making great strides. I got to go with uh, San Diego State alum uh, Ty France, uh, first baseman, third baseman. Uh, just having uh, since being promoted from Lake Elsinore to San Antonio, hitting over three seventy, has flirted flirted with uh, four hundred for quite a while. And um, not quite sure what position he plays, if he ever makes it to the major leagues, but I think he's got a major league bat, and he's certainly proving it right now. Oh, definitely. What a, I mean, that's a good call. What, what are your thoughts on I, – I, my question with uh, Ty, though, is where does he really play if he reaches the major leagues? And uh, I've watched him with the bat, like the bat. I've watched him in the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, first baseman, maybe third baseman, not so much. Uh, John, what do you think? You've seen him play. I have, and I mean, I thought you made a really good analysis of him. And one one thing is, when I noticed in Fort Wayne, he was a guy who had a low batting average when he got called up, but he had a really high on base. He's always had a very good idea of the strike zone. As for where he can play, you know, I think he'd probably be a guy that would kind of fit in at both first and third and left field and you know how much he'd play would be dependent on his bat but the thing about with Ty is I think when you're a 34th round draft pick you know you're you're kind of uh understand that you have to perform everywhere you go so I don't think he's going to feel any really increased pressure but I've been really happy with what he's done so far I mean it's he's been very impressive David and it's been it's been really interesting to watch. He's really remade his offensive profile in the time he's been in the system since 2015. You know, he came out of state as a guy who just took a huge number of pitches. Uh, sometimes I think to the detriment of what he was what he could have done to impact the ball. Uh, you think back to the days of uh, Jeff Decker taking pitches, taking pitches, taking pitches. And he's actually reworked himself. I think since he got to San Antonio, he's 100-plus plate appearances in and has exactly one walk to his name. Uh, I think that's an indication of the work he's been doing to really remake himself as a guy who is an impact hitter, make use of the body type he's got, and and hit the ball hard. He's got an isolated power number well north of 200 right now. Uh, He also, it's interesting, he he seems to be one of those guys who proves that getting hit by pitches is a repeatable, learnable skill, and it helps to prop up that on-base percentage, which which I think is still sitting at 400 for his career. So uh, kudos to him for what he's done in in the time he's been in the system. He's one of, got one of those bodies that are magnets for uh, fastballs, it seems like. Hey, we're we're going <laughs> to change pace here a little bit, and let's go around, uh, let's go around the organization. Uh, we're going to start with Fort Wayne. Uh, just yesterday they announced, uh, uh, the Midwest League announced that uh, Fernando Tatis, Jorge Ona, and Logan Allen will be representing the Tin Caps in the uh, Midwest League All-Star Game. And, uh, John, let's start with you and uh, give us a little update on uh, what you've seen at Fort Wayne. I know you've been out there. Yeah, I was out there a couple weeks ago, and I think we've talked about Oni and Tatis are very impressive. But the other guy on the All-Star team, which uh, is very good, has been Logan Allen. He he has a 1.75 ERA and in 10 starts. He was with um, Fort Wayne last year, he kind of had a little bit of elbow inflammation, so the Padres were really conservative and shut him down. They brought him back. He just turned 20. He's a very, you know, 
very intelligent guy when you talk to him. I mean, very wise beyond his years. Uh, has a good fastball, can kind of top it up to 96. Has been around, usually sits about between 90 and 94. Very good command. He's walked a, a few more people than he should have this year. Um, but I really like Logan Allen. I think you're going to see him up in, up in Lake Elsinore right after the All-Star game if the trend holds and how they usually do things. And the rest of the guys down there, you know, they got Sawinski and Potts, I think, are just going to be eventually coming along. But, you know, the main the main guy, the, the big story in Fort Wayne, I think, has to still be Tatis. All righty. We're going to go to Lake Elsinore. California League has not named their uh, all-star uh, game lineups yet. But, uh, uh, David, I'm going to ask you to look into your crystal ball. Who do you see from the storm uh, making the all-star game? for the California League? Well, it's it's possible that, that the majority of the Southern Division pitching staff is going to come off that Elsinore roster. Uh, certainly, you look at the starting pitchers and Lucchese and, and Lauer are absolute no-brainer locks. Uh, it's possible that, that Quantrill won't be on the staff, but that doesn't really reflect in terms of his overall future ability and then you look at the bullpen and uh, it'd be hard to pass up Gerardo Reyes who's just a fun guy to watch pitch uh, and and Colby Blueberg who has the chance to be a back-to-back Cal League all-star not exactly the the trend you want to see of repeating a league and, <laughs> and making an all-star team a second time but certainly they're all deserving and then position-wise I think the story of the of the first half is is the way Michael Geddes has turned it on over the last six weeks. Uh, you know, clearly one of the most talented athletes in the organization and perhaps in the game. Uh, got off to a really slow start, but has has absolutely turned it on. I, I think a lot of it when we talked to him, we've got an interview up on the site that he was talking about the issues he had with his back, and I think that's likely to be a huge part of the slow start uh he's in a good spot with that now and uh certainly uh make making a claim both for the all-star nod and for the second consecutive year to get a bump up mid-season in a with a promotion of course Geddes is the uh, california league player of the week for this past week uh it had four home runs including uh three home runs uh a week ago uh last friday uh, right. has raised his batting average like 30 points in the last uh, eight games. Uh, he has really come on with a really good week. We're going to go to San Antonio. We're going to go back to John. John, give me your picks for uh, uh, possible all-stars at San Antonio. And we should note the fact that San Antonio now has moved into the uh, lead of the uh, Texas League Southern Division, uh, won uh, eight of the last uh, 12 games, putting on a little bit of a run. Who do you got? Well, you know, I think we've talked about him before is uh, Luis Urias. Urias, if I can pronounce that correctly, for some reason I've consistently screwed up that name. But uh, Luis is just a tremendous player. I mean, he's got great, you know, probably has the best bat-to-ball skills of anyone in the organization. Also has a great idea of the strike zone. He plays a very good second base defensively. The Padres have tried to move him over a little bit to uh, shortstop. More as a guy who can play there occasionally than as an everyday player. The other guys on the roster that have done really well have been, uh, you know, for Mil Reyes, who's really showing a lot of – solidifying a lot of the gains he made last in the second half of uh, Elsinore last year. And some of the pitchers. You know, we talked about Michael Kelly. He's been very good. You know, Brett Kennedy's been impressive. So, I mean, uh, Kyle Lloyd just got promoted up to El Paso. He was very good for most of the year. 
So they have a lot of really kind of interesting players on that squad, and they've gotten some good performances out of their outfielders too, and Alberts Martinez is another guy. One thing I wanted to mention real quick, just to go back to Elsinore, is you know Jacob Nix is, is coming back, and he's a guy who you know obviously won't be an all-star because he missed some of the games, but he is someone who has as much talent as really anybody in the organization as a pitcher, and so if you get a chance, you should really take a look at him. He had the highest consistent fastball of anyone in the organization last year. Really had a good start Thursday night. Uh, one oh, yeah. run allowed on six hits over seven innings, and uh, he was on fire. Jacob Nix is a great call. Uh, for those who haven't uh, uh, noticed, he is the Padres' number five uh, overall uh, prospect on the MLB.com list, just behind Luis Urias. Uh, now we're going to go to El Paso, and I'm going to flip it back here to David in a second, and uh, get an idea of who he sees uh, from El Paso playing in the PCL, well, the AAA All-Star game. And interesting to me is that we've already seen uh, guys, uh, Danielson Lamette, uh, Franchi Mm -hmm. Cordero, now Jose Perella. There's already been some movement from El Paso to the Padres. And I'm wondering, okay, uh, David, what do you what do you got on El Paso? Well, uh, there aren't a whole lot of bodies left. Uh, if you start looking at who can be the the representative for the for that club at the uh, AAA All Star Game, you know you look at certainly uh, Christian Villanueva is an interesting guy at third base, and a couple of fantastic minor league free agent signees from the winter in the outfield, Nick Buss and uh, Rafael Ortega have both really performed nicely. Ortega is a guy who, if you remember back, was a top 100 guy probably five years ago in the Cardinals organization and got a little bit of big league time last year. Uh, do, do any of them really rise to the level of, of a clear all-star in a 16-team league? Uh, maybe, maybe not. But then the other option would be to, to go with the reliever of Phil Maton, who, even though his numbers have been spotty o- over the course of the year, clearly one of the most interesting pitchers on the staff and and a guy who makes sense on an all-star team where you're looking for somebody at the back of the bullpen plus he's had he's been lights out since the slider's been working for him i think it's now 12 straight uh, or no excuse me 10 straight uh scoreless appearances his mm-hmm. era is down under three after a slow start he needs the pcl and saves so there's a little carrot for you i Mayton is a very interesting guy. Certainly last year when he went all for uh, Fort Wayne to Lake Elsinore to San Antonio to El Paso and wound up closing the championship game of the PCL playoffs. Uh, quite quite a rise for, uh, for somebody who was not high on their list going into last year. Uh, we're going to turn now because we've got uh, the Dominican Summer League just started. And in about two weeks here, we're going to have uh, three other teams uh, start play, the short-season teams, uh, um, Tri-Cities. I always want to say Quad-Cities, excuse me. Tri-Cities of the Northwest League and the two two Padres uh, teams in the uh, Arizona Rookie League. And I'm going to start start with John. Uh, Give give me a little forecast, and then we'll get to David about what you see on the short-season teams this, this season. Well, Tri-Cities would be really interesting, mainly because you're going to see Adrian Mora on pitch. He's a guy that the Padres gave $11 million, $22 million with the penalties 
last year. Saw him pitch in spring training. You know, he's a pretty compact lefty. He's about six one. Three pitches, very impressive guy. I see Dan Dallas, who I liked a little bit in spring training too. He's a, like a late round, seventh round pick, I believe, in last year's draft. Um, you'll see a couple of the Cuban signees, the two of them that uh, uh, Baez and uh, forgetting the other one, David will probably remember. That'll be up up there. And then you kind of got to see with the draft. I don't think there's any position players that really jump out to me. You know, Eggy Rosario just got sent down from Fort Wayne. He should be somewhere in the mix at second and third base. I thought he he's probably a guy who just needs a little bit more uh, seasoning that might have been too big a jump for him with the uh, 10 caps. But, yeah, it should be a really fun uh, fun uh, squad to watch this year up in the Northwest League. Uh, Eggy Rosario was 17 and playing in the uh, – in the Midwest league. And he was the youngest player, uh, by about a year. Um, yeah, it'll be, I, yeah, I think it's probably good for him to, to slow him up a little bit. Uh, so, um, what about the two, uh, we'll, we'll toss this to your cohort here. What about the <laughs> two, uh, Arizona rookie league teams? Well, you know, right now they've got about 70, 75 guys who are out at extended, by the time they finish with the draft next week, that'll bump up to about 100 guys to fill out those those rosters. And uh, you've got really, right now, of the guys who are out in, in Peoria, there are kind of three buckets of guys. There's, there's the folks who've got some stateside experience already, uh, the guys who spent last year in the Dominican, and then a lot of kids out of this this current signing class. The Padres have been really aggressive with the number of kids who they signed since July 2 of last year, who they have who they have kept stateside and are going to put onto those two AZL clubs they've got. Uh, by my count, there are about 20 kids who were part of that, that free agent class who are going to be uh, here for their professional debuts, which is really quite unusual. So out in Arizona, you've got, you know, the, the highlights from the, from the signing bonus that they got at the at the start of last year, Luis Almanzar and Gabriel Arias, the middle infielders. Uh, you've got pitching-wise, uh, Michel Miliano, who's a kid who's had people excited, who've seen him uh, since we did when when he was over here for spring training. Uh, a couple of older international guys like Luis Nin, and uh, the the two other Cubans, in addition to Baez, who and and Morajon, who we'll see at some point, are, are Ramon Perez and Osvaldo Hernandez, probably looking at at least one of them up in the in the Northwest League. So you've got all those guys in the mix. You've got an interesting group of uh, kids who were in the DSL last year uh, who, who are coming over for their U.S. debuts. The catcher, uh, Juan Fernandez, who had really big numbers out there. You've got a couple of really interesting uh, middle infielders named Kelvin. You've got Melian and Alarcon. Uh, both of them are guys who uh, really showed well in instructs last year. They were here in, in spring training last year, but then went back and played in the Dominican for the year. So a lot of interesting guys to look at there. And then, you know, you've got the kids who were here uh, through in, in the organization last year, got some playing time in the States, guys like uh, Bryant Aragon, who's an interesting bat first catcher. You've got, uh, the the pitching group who was out in Arizona last year who are really talented and really young 
Henry Henry, Starling Cordero. Uh, you've got the the big fastball uh, in uh, the the righty from Mexico. So a lot of interesting names in the mix there. Uh, we'll probably also get a chance to see uh, the the professional debut of a guy who I saw hitting the cover off the ball all spring, who was part of last year's draft and had an injury when he when he signed. Uh, not quite sure where he plays defensively, but Ethan Skender is a kid who can absolutely hit the ball uh, yeah. and was a late round signee with for a six-figure bonus last year to sign away from the esteemed alma mater of my colleague John Conniff, Arizona State. Exactly. So a lot, <laughs> a lot of names to, to be excited about and interested in out there. John, any more names you want to throw in? There's one guy that's like, well, there's two. There's Luis Almazar, who signed for $4 million, which is the third highest bonus the Padres have ever given out. The shorts of the Dominican right. Republic. Another one is, you know, who David mentioned, Henry Henry might be one of the greatest names in minor league baseball right now. So I'll go out on the limb on that one. <laughs> so you just, the name could make him great. I think so. You know, Henry Henry, that's awesome. Right. I am. I think a lot of people are anticipating the debut of Morahan, who is already ranked the number three prospect uh, by MLB.com in the entire Padres organization. Uh, that's going to be a wrap on this edition of uh, the Padres on Deck podcast. Uh, I know it's a podcast, but I'd rather call it a podcast. And uh, we'll be back uh, regularly during the summer. Uh, they are David J. and John Conniff of madfriars.com or at madfriars if uh, you want to follow them on Twitter. I am Bill Center of padres.com slash friarwire or at Padres Central. Guys, I want to thank you very much. Uh, that was a good session today and looking forward to the next one. Looking forward to it. Thanks a lot, Bill. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.